0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church Podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Started years ago in the nation of Israel with the prophets and the kings, and the prophets would, would speak the vision of God for the nation. And there was a time when the kings would go out to war, gather the spoils to provide for that vision. And it was an amazing partnership, and they worked in every facet together uh, even when they went out to war, the, 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 the prophet or the priest would make declarations over them to speak blessing, the word of God over them, and then they would go and they would win. When they, whenever they sought the Lord, whenever the man of God spoke the vision of God, they always went out and prospered in the battlefield. Amen. So I want just to remind all of you here today, as the kings in the kingdom of God, that you don't just see yourself as going to work tomorrow, but that you're actually going to war tomorrow. And that what you do at your job actually affects the kingdom of God in a large way. That you're there gathering the spoils for the kingdom, for the king and his kingdom, I should say. And the church is being built on this partnership. And that that God began back there in the Old Testament. Here in Revelation chapter 1 we read that this partnership is still in full force today today. Uh, In the earth. And one of the things that that has been somewhat sad in the church, there's been a lot of talk about the full-time ministry, about the priestly uh, calling, but not so much about the kingship. And so there's been uh, kind of an overemphasis, if you will, of the priesthood and and an underemphasis of the kingship. But both of these are equally calls of God. They're equally holy and ordained by God. Can I get a good amen on that? Amen. So, and we talked last week about Timothy. And, and Timothy uh, he says that he saved us and he called us. So if you are saved, then you are called. All right? Those two things go together. Whatever God ordains, he sustains. He always resources you with what he's called you to do. Amen. Amen. Because he is not a God of lack. He's not a God who hasn't thought this thing through. When you came into the kingdom, he wasn't, he wasn't surprised. Hmm? He didn't say, well, I didn't expect you to come into this deal. Sorry, good luck. I don't have any calling for you. Just grope through life and we'll see at the end. <laughs> if he saved you, he called you. Yeah. All right? So all of us have this calling on our lives as a king or a priest, and that's concerning the kingdom of God. Now, in your personal life, you'll, you'll flow in both of these things. But in the church, in the body of Christ, you will function either as a king or a priest. And most people are kings, as God showed us through the nation of Israel, that one tribe was the priest and the other guys were not. Yeah. All right? So, you know, there's a handful of priests here maybe today, and everybody else is kings. And so, God has ordained us as partners for his kingdom. In Revelation chapter 1, we see this truth, and it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Aren't you, I love the way it announces him. The firstborn from the dead. You know, John 3.16 is a very popular verse of scripture that we all know. And Jesus is even saying, it's Jesus' own words. And he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Well, you know what? That was true at one time that he was the only begotten of God. But no longer is that true. Now he's the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. That means if he rose from the dead, ladies and gentlemen, so will you and I. That's why the grave isn't the end. It's just a door by which we pass through into eternal life. Amen. It's nothing to fear. That's why the Scripture says we don't weep like those who have no hope. Because if we live in faith, we die in faith, then we will be raised in life, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And uh, hallelujah. Uh, that, what, what an amazing assurance we have. The faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us. Who, who does that apply to? Anybody loved in here today by God? Yeah. All right, then I just want to make sure that this is the same us that we're reading about here, it's also the us in this room, that it applies to us. And washed us from our sins. Is that the same us that he loved? And he also washed, right? So he loved us. He washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us. Is this the same us that is loved and washed? All right? So that, because I need to make sure that we all understand that we're not talking about them. Hmm? That this is us too. This us is actually us in this room today. He made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion. Forever and ever. Now, we covered lots of things concerning this partnership. And today, I'm going to give just a little bit of recap. We've got to jump into some new things for the sake of time. But I do want to invite you to go to onecausechurch.com. We have a podcast button. there; You can click on there. And we have all of our sermons downloaded free for you so that you can continue to enrich your life throughout the week with the amazing teaching that you get here at One Cause Church. (laughs) A partnership a partnership of kings and priests created by God for the kingdom of God. And it's important, it's crucial actually for all of us to understand what we're called to do and that we get in that calling and we bear much fruit. All right? Amen. The primary responsibility of the priest is to provide vision. The primary responsibility of the king is to provide provision for the vision. And as a collective body here in this place, we need each other. We need each other to function in our ability and in our calling so that there's growth, so that there's increase, so that there's health in the body. Amen? And uh, that we all carry out our individual responsibility in this kingdom for this partnership, through this partnership, I should say, of kings and priests. And when everyone's doing their part, it's good. Volunteering, serving, giving, praying, bringing people to church, all of those are healthy contributions to the kingdom of God, to the church of the living God. Amen. And today I'm I'm going to specifically talk about um, God's design for you as kings in the way of prosperity. Do you know it is actually God's will that you prosper? That you financially prosper in the earth as not just spirit and soul, but also in your body and finances. It really is his his will for you. Well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of religious preachers out there that you know, blast anybody talking about God's people being in health and prospering. And I don't understand that. Because I read the scriptures and I just see overwhelming evidence that it is God's will. And then I realize, oh, it's their denomination, not the Bible that teaches them that. That's pretty sad. It's pretty sad. Because Jesus Christ... He's the one who made all this happen for us. And I don't know what person can think so highly of themselves as to pick and choose what Jesus paid for and what he didn't pay for. When the Scripture teaches us clearly that in this day where Christ was doing this work and when the day came, as as Isaiah 53 was so beautifully read this morning, see you're living in the benefits of Isaiah 53. This is this was thousands of years before Jesus showed up on the scene, and here this prophet is seeing something in the spirit by God. It begins to pin out this amazing prophecy about the Redeemer who would come and bear the transgressions, the iniquity of all of us, and would take stripes upon his back, and for our healing, all of that happened in this. One day, the same afternoon that Jesus Christ shed His blood for our sins, took stripes upon His back for our healing, He also, He also purchased our financial and material prosperity. And I'll show it to you. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three. Because hey, listen to me. Why does the Scripture say that you are kings? Think about it. What does a king look like? Is a king broke? Is a king in lack and impoverished? A king has something very special about him. They have lots of resources, lots of wealth, and the Scripture calls you kings. And so this isn't just a spiritual matter. There's something else going on. Stick with me. Some of you are looking at me like a cow is looking at a new gate. Just stick with me. All right? I'm here to teach you the Word. All right? Some guys have a hard time talking about stuff like this. I don't have any problem talking about money. I don't have any problem talking about talking in tongues. And unfortunately, these two things are kind of the choke point for a lot of people. Right? But I love you too much to not tell you the truth. All right? Okay? I'm just going to lay it out for you. You believe it, that's your deal. If you don't believe it, that's your problem. All right? But I'm going to give it to you. Because it's the truth that makes us free. It's the truth that we know that makes us free. There's a lot of people are hearing truth, but when, if they don't know it, it's not a revelation to them. It doesn't help them to be free. And so I'm here to just preach the truth, preach the word to you, and then, uh, you know, hopefully you'll take it. Genesis 3, then Adam, verse 17, Then to Adam he said, This is right after Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit that they were forbidden by God to eat. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. We can end church right there. Should we go on? Okay. (laughs) I love you. "And, And have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. And this is what the curse on the ground looks like. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. In other words, God said you're going to work back-breaking labor to get this ground to produce. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field, verse 19, In the sweat of your face or in the sweat of your brow, one scripture says, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Boy, that's not very encouraging, is it? Hmm? You're going to eke out an existence, Adam, from this day forward. And the ground, your work is going to be very difficult. That's. A curse, ladies and gentlemen. That's a curse. Now, go to Matthew, chapter 27. Verse 29. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. that cursed fruit of the ground. They twisted those thorns, and they made a crown and put it on his head. Who's this? This is the last Adam. And a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Why? You know, there was, there's always, in every place that Jesus bled, there is much significance to it. And he bled here with the thorns that would help, that would only cause man to make it just eke by and toil in much labor. He took those thorns when man would work by the sweat of his brow. Now Jesus would take that thorn into his own brow and bleed there. And in so doing, every time Jesus bled, an exchange took place. He took that curse upon Himself. As a matter of fact, He became a curse, the Scripture says. And when that happened, something opened up for you and I. Something other than the curse of labor and toil and and difficult work. Quite the opposite came true for us. That the blessing of our work would be upon us. That we would be fruitful laborers and that we would flow in this favor and grace of God because he took the curse of lack and poverty upon himself. So this isn't, this isn't something that we play around with. This isn't some kind of message that we've come up with to help people feel good, which I hope you do feel good. I want you to feel. I don't just preach for you to feel good. I, I'm here to preach the word to you and show you the incredible price that Jesus paid so that you would be blessed on every level of life—spirit, soul, and body. Now go to Second Corinthians chapter eight. You okay out there? Listen to me, this is important so, so that we can understand that there is a, there's a large story that we are a part of, a redemptive story, and that blood was shed so that we would prosper. You know, John said in 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I wish and I, or I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. That's why you need to begin to see yourself as a king so that you can expect to live life as a king. All right? Why is that important? Because we have a God to demonstrate in this earth. We have something to display concerning the character, the nature, the love, the grace and the power of our God. Amen. And it's not just in salvation. Thank God. Thank God it's we're justified by faith. Thank God that he healed us, but he also prospered us. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8, let's look at this verse 7 says, but as you abound in everything, this is Paul taught, talking to the Corinthian church. He said, as you abound in everything, in faith, how many of you think that you should abound in faith, in speech? Some of you, maybe not so much. Maybe I ought to not talk so much. but in, Just kidding. In knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Now, if you read the prior verses, Paul is talking about the grace of giving. All right, and he's 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 admonishing this church, and he gives the Philippian church as an example to what that looks like. The Philippian church, even though that they were they were uh, they were poor at that time in their life, I know that they weren't later on, but at that time, as they were just a collective collective group of believers, they grabbed a hold of this grace of giving, so they were giving liberally, even though they didn't have very much themselves. And yet they put together this generous offering and Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about these guys and say, he says, see that you abound in this grace also. As you abound in everything. Now look at verse eight. I speak not by command, but I'm, test, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Wow. So what Paul just taught us here about giving is, is that giving proves that our love is genuine. I was supposed to get more of, Amens than that right there. <laughs> giving proves that our love is genuine. God so loved the world that he did what? Amen. That he got up there and stood up there and just said, boy, I sure do love y'all. Just want you to know I love you. Love this world. Man, I love, love, love this world. Right? Now the action of love is giving. He's so loved that he gave. And he didn't just give any little offering to the world. He gave all that heaven could actually afford. His own son. Amen. Let's look at verse 9. Now this is the part right here that just blesses me. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. He became poor. Why? Because every move that Jesus made concerning your redemption, there was an exchange. Why did he become poor? That you, through his poverty, might become rich. Pastor Eric, I think that's talking about spiritual riches. You can't make that about material things. I know. I hear you. I hear you. I wish it's I, I kinda wish it said that too. The religious Eric caller wishes that that's what it meant. But the Eric caller that loves the truth and knows the truth knows something else. And can can I just give you the the Greek word for this word rich here? Cause this is, you know, this wasn't written in English originally. In case y'all didn't know. All right. Jesus wasn't going around talking English or Shakespearean. He didn't say these and thou. All right. He uh, didn't have the king's language. (laughs) Listen to this. Listen to this. The Greek word here for rich in this verse of Scripture is the word plouteo, P-L-O-U-T-E-O. Man, did I ever get ahead of myself? There it is. And it means this. Listen to this. To be increased with goods, to be rich, to have abundance of outward possessions. Woo. Okay, to be increased with goods, to be rich, to have abundance of outward possessions. This is not a spiritual matter here. This is a material matter. And Jesus became poor. Yeah, when you're hanging naked on a cross, that's as poor as you can get. huh? He came to the lowest, most impoverished state, became sin, became poor, so that we, there was an exchange that took place. All right? See, people don't have a problem believing that they're forgiven. They don't have a problem believing that they're healed, but this is where the struggle happens a lot of times, and it shouldn't have, I mean, I think that the body of Christ, Children of God should get excited about this and actually take him at his word and say, okay, if I'm a king, then I'm going to live like a king. I'm going to look like a king. I'm going to talk like a king. I'm going to act like a king. And I'm going to be here and rule and reign in this earth as God has called me to do. See, you don't have the luxury as a child of God to just eat God in existence. You don't have the luxury to just kind of take what life hands you. You have a mandate from God to take over the world. Amen. But see, we've got to rise up in our faith and say, you know what? I believe that. I want that. I want to flow in that kind of abundance. Why? Why? What's the point of that? What's the point of God wanting you to be rich? Well, listen to me. Let's think about it for a moment. If God wants anybody to enjoy the riches of the earth, wouldn't he want his children to enjoy it? I mean, if he's got heaven waiting for you with all of its riches... Why would he want you to just barely make it here and then get there and say, "Oh, see, this is what this is what I've been saving for you here, but everybody else in the world got to enjoy all the good stuff." See, here's the problem. See, religion has lied to us. I mean, think about it. even the nativity set has got us duped. It's got us duped. So these This magi, these wise men, came from the east to inaugurate the king of the world, all right? And you got to be kidding me if you think that they showed up with one of those little treasure boxes that we have. A guy had 50 cents on him and another guy had, you know, half a bottle of perfume. Here you go, King Jesus, king of the world. Not even in the scriptures. It says that certain men came from the east. It doesn't say there were just three of them. We have no idea how many there were. And it says, among their treasures was found gold and frankincense and myrrh. All right? So let's get that little nativity poor man mentality out of your head because it's a lie. And like Jesus and his disciples were somehow just walking around poor hippies. This doesn't make it, when I read the scripture, I go, what the heck? Well, okay, okay, okay. Remember when Jesus said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Remember the young ruler came to him and said, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know the commandments. Because when Jesus taught, he taught under the context of the law. All right? He said, you know the commandments. Don't steal. Don't, all those things. And he says, all of these I've kept from my youth. And Jesus said, the scripture says, Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you like. Go and sell what you have and give to the poor. And the man went away sadly because he had great riches. And Jesus later on told the disciples how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And listen what the disciples said. Now, this is what is amazing to me. The disciples' response was not what I expect. Because if these guys are poor, if the disciples are poor, and they're, they're hearing Jesus say how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God, what's going to be their response in this matter? Tell them, Jesus. That's right. Stinking rich people. They get all the breaks in life. That's right, man. They're, they're probably not even going to make it to heaven. Us poor guys, we're going. Because we're in this life to suffer, but, but we're doing it because, because God's got a greater reward for us in heaven. But the scripture doesn't say that the disciples responded that way. It said the disciples were astonished at his saying and said, well, who then can be saved? Really? Really? Is this how poor people talk? You know why they were afraid? You know why they were astonished? Because they weren't poor. Amen. And Jesus said, how hard is it is for those who, whose riches have them, not those who actually have riches. And he reiterated to them that this man, it wasn't the fact that he was rich. It was because his riches had him. And he couldn't give. He wouldn't give because his heart was for his money above everything else. There's nothing wrong with being rich. Nothing wrong with having money. Just don't ever forget money is meant to be a servant, not a master. It's here to serve you. Amen. You guys still love me today? All you kings out there? Think about it. What are we trying to show? Hey, remember what Jesus said when you pray? Pray pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? So, what Jesus just taught us is that heaven is the model, didn't he? Heaven is the example that we want things happening here on earth like they do there. Am I right? All right, turn to Revelation 21. Stick with me. Stay with me. Revelation 21. Let's. Let's let's kind of get a picture of what heaven looks like if we want to see what happens here on earth, like it is in heaven. Let's see what heaven actually looks like. In Revelation 21, we get it. Verse 20. Uh, what verse do I have? 11. Verse 11. Having the glory of God, her light. Now this is talking about the city of God, the celestial city. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Continue. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Wow. Now, see, when we look through scripture and we read about Peter, James, and John, and sometimes that we read how goofy they were from time to time. But I just want to remind myself right now and all of us, their names are written on the foundation, and <laughs> ours isn't. All right. So one of those guys is Matthias, who got his name there because somebody spun the bottle and it landed on him. Remember that story? That amazing story. Okay. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal, which means it's like a cube. This is cool. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, uh, according to the measure of a man that is of an angel, which I think is bigger than a man. Anyway, the construction of its wall was, listen to this. Listen to the, the construction material. The construction of its wall was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city are adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, anyone want to try that one? Okay. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, sardis. Okay, all of those. All right. Next verse. Lots of beautiful precious stones. The 12 gates. This is amazing. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was of one pearl. Imagine the clam that that pearl came out of. Each individual gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. This is what we're praying. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is. You see why? You've got to see your life bigger than it is. You've got to see beyond the natural, even the natural resources of the earth and understand that there's a testimony to be given to this earth, both of the gospel and of your life. Are you hearing me? Kings, I'm a king in the kingdom. Really? I had somebody talk to me one time and ask me why we weren't, uh, you know, why we ministered in the area that we do. How come we didn't minister? And we ministered to poor people a lot, it's, especially in our Dallas congregation. There's, it's, a, it's, it's a lot more needy there. But, but somebody's asking, how come we don't minister to the, I said, well, so, so describe poor to me for a moment. Explain poor to me. Because I know in this area, there was an article years ago that came out about the Collin County area, and it called them $30,000 millionaires because people are living way beyond their means, and they're in over the head in debt, right? All right? So they, they look like they've got things in order, but there's no foundation to it. They're actually quite poor, very negative. And I said, you tell me what poor is. Because that's poor to me. Just because somebody is poor, uh, hey, they might own everything and not be in debt. But these guys that are driving around these these cars and living in these big homes whose lives are falling apart because they can't afford anything, who are just putting living life on credit, that is poor. So we need to make sure that we understand what poor is before we think it's some little house on the other side of town. Amen. So God has put us together in this partnership for his glory. And, you know, we talked about last week how you have the choice. Think about this. You have the choice, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, to build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, to either build it with works that are likened to gold, silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, those things which can be burned away. And think about it, all of those things can be done on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So what a sad existence it would be for a Christian to get saved and then live their, their lives simply for themselves, only to stand before Jesus, be judged for their works, and all of those works get burned away, and yet they're saved, yet so as through fire. Wow, I don't, I don't want that testimony at all. Huh? Am I talking to the people that believe like me? I want my works to bring rewards for eternity, all right? Now, us being in heaven has nothing to do with what we do. Jesus did that for us. Jesus assured our place in heaven. But our works, what a perk, what an extra perk that God's given us the ability to do good things, to do works pleasing to God that will also get rewards in heaven. All right? Are you with me? All right, let's go to Revelation chapter 2. I've got a couple more scriptures before I let you go today. Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, let's, let's just look at some of these. We talked about this a little bit before, but this cracks me up a little bit, all right? Can you just go with me here? 2, 7, he who has an ear, anybody have ears? All right, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the church is, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. Wow. I don't even know what that means, but I've got to have some of that hidden manna. How about you? I mean, if Jesus has given out secret bread, I've got to have that. All right, so I'm going to do whatever I can to get that secret manna. I don't even know what that means. And I will give him a white stone. Yeah, okay, there it is. He's handing out white stones. I don't know what that means, but i got to have a white stone. Because if Jesus has given it out, it must be good. We're going to get some hidden manna and and a white rock. All right, white stone. And look at this. And on the stone, isn't it funny how it just reads like this, like we're all supposed to understand that, right? Oh, yeah, white stone. Oh, yeah, secret manna. That's, yeah. A, a new name. And on the stone, a new name which no one knows except him who receives it. Wow. So now you get a secret name that you, only you know. All You keep it all to yourself. Nobody else gets to know it. What's the point of having it? I don't know. It's kind of funny. Only I know what the name on this rug. You'll never know. And then it's awesome. It's so mysterious, isn't it? And yet, kind of exciting. Secret man, a secret name. White stone. All right. Let's go to Revelation chapter three, verse twelve. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. That is, I will make him a permanent structure. And he shall go out no more, and I will write on him. Hmm. I wonder if God's got a tattoo needle up there. <laughs> Apparently, eh, 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 And he's going to write on him the name of my God eh, eh, and the name of the city. So I'm getting God's name written on me and the city of God written on me. The new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. (laughs) Why? It's so funny. It's awesome. I want those tattoos. I'm I'm just putting them in human terms here, guys. I don't know what that looks like, but I don't know what else it does look like. He's writing on me. Well. Wow. This partnership that we have, ladies and gentlemen, is one of mutual love and respect and trust. We got to have that. Otherwise, we don't grow. Otherwise, we don't produce together. We don't advance the kingdom if we don't trust one another. Hey, I trust you here today. I do. I trust that you're bringing the provision. I trust that you I don't go through our giving records. I made a decision a long time ago not to do that because I'm a human. All right? So I'm, I'm not going to relate to you according to how you give. I just trust that you do. I trust that you're being a king. You're going to war. You're getting the spoils, and you're doing what you do. Huh? And I also need you to trust me. Right? Pastor Brandon, you've, how long have you worked for your company? 16 years. In the 10 and a half years that I, I've known you, have I ever gone over to your place of business to tell you how you need to run it? Never? I mean, I, I'm the president of this corporation. I have employees. Wouldn't, don't I have a right to go tell him what he needs to do with his business? Why are y'all quiet? Well, it's interesting because I have plenty of people tell me how I need to run this business. Okay. Okay. I, now we like it going. We we like it going the other way, but we don't like it coming at us, right? We, <laughs> okay. I, I, this is an equal partnership, and I I just I uh, so like I said, I I don't know if you're tithing or not. I don't know if you're what you're if you're giving, or, unless you were to come up to me and hand me something to you know an offering or something, uh, then I then I would. I would know. And I, I'm, I'm doing that because I'm, I'm a, I think I've, I'm in a special place as a pastor that when I look at the group of people that God has assembled here, I really feel special because that kind of stuff happens in other places. But, you know, when I talk to you and hear your heart on, about this church and, and, and about what we're doing here, I'm really encouraged that your heart is in this house. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, there is where your heart is. I love that. And I love that, that you are sold out to this cause. Because the enemy is going to do whatever he can to put a wedge between us and to affect our partnership and render it ineffective. Are you hearing me? All right. So we have to be aware of his schemes and his lies, Right? I have people tell me they don't trust pastors. I understand that there's some scumbags in the pulpit. I get that. But let's, they're in your profession too. All right? They're, they're everywhere. So we have to have this level of trust and respect and honor so that we can actually produce something. And I'm grateful to be part of a church where there aren't people walking around with, ulterior motives and and second-guessing each other and wondering about this and whispering little things out here to try to tear us apart. No, that ain't happening here. The devil's not going to get a foothold here. He's tried. He's tried, and he's going to try again because the Bible says, Jesus says, I will build my church. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that just gave the devil a mission too. If Jesus is building it, the devil's doing whatever he can to tear it down. All right, so we need to be aware of his schemes and not give in to his stupid ways, his foolish lies, and trust one another and love one another and have enough respect for one another and our calling that we rock and roll this thing. Are you with me? Amen. Hey, listen, to I understand that I'm talking to you um, straight up, but are we in big people church today? Out there, there's a nursery, and back here, there's kids church, but here's where the adults are. Right, and so I think I'm thinking I'm talking to to people that can handle this kind of. We're all mature here, I hope, and at a level where we can talk about these issues, these things, these truths of the word. Amen. Because I want to see you living the life of kings that God has called you to be. But you got to see it that way. You got to believe that that's what you are. That's who you are, and begin to function in that office. At its optimum, right where you are right now. You gotta start where you are. You can't wait for someday. Well, I, someday I'll, I'll be a, a giver. No, 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 today. Today. You can give today, right where you are. I can promise you that. When Heather and I were first married, I made $800 a month. A month. We lived in an apartment. We had a little car payment and insurance, and we paid our tithes. I look back and go, how in God's name did we do that? Except that God's true to His Word, and He's faithful, and He was able to increase us more than what we were getting paid by natural means. And I'm I'm standing here as a testimony to someone who has taken God at His Word, and I don't just preach it solely because it's in the Word, because it is, but also because we've lived it, and we've seen God. Do miracles in our lives, bring supernatural supply, and there's no other answer for it except we got a great partner in God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. 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 All right, can we go one more place? Yes. All right. You know, as long as I've been in in the church, and I, I you know. Part of my job is studying people really and knowing human nature and I found that some people give based on what they have on them at the moment. Right? Like their offering's not really planned out so much. It's it's kinda like when you pull up to an intersection and there's firemen with their boots out, you know, oh yeah, oh I got something. Yeah, I'll we'll throw a little something in there. Right? So there's not really any premeditated giving, it's just kind of like Oh, yeah, kind of a second thought. Like I said, I'm not talking about anybody in this church. I'm talking about what my pastor friends tell me about their churches. All right, so you guys just relax. Some people give according to how much they volunteer. <laughs> so they're like, well, I put this much time in, so I'm going to call that some tithe and, and then put this part in. Okay. We work our systems, don't we? Some people give based on what they think the church needs or what they think the church can handle. Yeah. Y'all are supposed to amen because you're not that church. Y'all are supposed to be like, yeah, yeah, those other churches. Okay. But some people, though, give because they simply love God. That's the testimony here. Because they're sold out to his cause, because they believe in the partnership that we have, because they love God and because they want to see the church increase and build. It's that simple. They don't even question the word. They take God at his word and say, yes, sir, you said it, I do it. It's that simple. I don't try to reason myself. Because the truth is, excuses won't stand. They will not excuse those who are making them. Mm Mm-hmm. Personal opinions will not increase the kingdom of God. That's right. They won't. There's a way that seems right to a man but the end of destruction. That's why we have to look at the scripture so that we know what the truth is. Because our mind's going to try to tell us other things, especially when it comes to the matter of money. It just is. May I remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that we are all bought at a price and our life is not our own. And that money works better and is actually designed to serve, not to be your master, but to serve you. Amen? Can we bow our heads for just a moment? I really appreciate you being here today. My, the things that God has in store for his people concerning prospering them and blessing them abundantly. The things that God has in store. Father, I want to say thank you that you have so abundantly supplied us by your grace. And you have given us a way through Jesus to enjoy all of the riches of God on every level, physically and spiritually. God, what a a humbling thought that you would do that for us. That you would take that crown of thorns upon your head and an exchange would be made there. And a fountain of blessing would be released to us in the way of prospering. Father, I thank you for these good stewards here today. I thank you that you've put me in this place to pastor this great this great people, Lord. And Lord, I'm excited about the days ahead and what you have in store for us. There's more. There's miracles. There are businesses that are in the infant stages here in this place. Some of them are being conceived even now, God, that you're causing men and women to rise up At this time, as kings in the earth, to rule and to reign. As your kings. As we serve the king of all kings. And Lord, we understand that it all begins. This calling begins when we answer the first call to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ believe that he died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose again today. Lord, I thank you now for your great grace upon your people. If you're here today, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want to invite you to know him today. This is your opportunity to find real life. This is your opportunity to let go of the guilt and the shame of sin. This is your opportunity to come into a real relationship with God. And it is only found in His Son. Religion can't get you there. Good deeds can't get you there. Church attendance can't get you there. It's a matter of your heart believing that not only did God die for the world, that Jesus died for the world, and He did, but what that means, really, on a personal level, is that he died for you. And you accept it for you. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I do not have that kind of relationship with God. I'm on the outside looking in, but today I want to surrender my heart to Jesus. I want to accept his free gift of grace and eternal life. I need that assurance. I need that peace in my life. Are you here today? Just right where you are, I want you to raise your hand. I just want to say a prayer with you right where you are. Are you here today? And you say, I need to know God. I don't know Him. I want to be saved today. Are you here? Maybe, maybe you're here today and you're just away from God. You know Him, but you, you've been making the wrong choices. You've not been functioning in your calling. You've been afraid. You've let circumstances sway you from being who you are and doing what you do from living by the truth of the Word. Today, you just want to come back to God. You're making some decisions that will line up more with His Word than what you're doing right now. Are you here today? And say, Pastor Eric, that's me. I'm just acknowledging God in my life today and I'm making some changes for His glory. That I'm going to live this life that He's called me to live. And I just need to come back to the Father. I've been away from my Father's house. Today, I want to come back to Him. Are you here? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Father, bless these who have raised their hands here in this room today. And I thank you for grace and peace to be multiplied to them as they have made the choice, God, to come back to you. And I thank you that you don't judge them, you don't condemn them. You welcome them with open arms. You've always loved them and you always will. And I thank you that in the days ahead, this today's choice, today's choice, will have a ripple effect of better choices in their lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I love you guys very much. Uh, just to remind you on Wednesday nights, we have uh, church here. We've been walking through the book of Acts together and, uh, we're going to get into an awesome chapter. Acts chapter 16 this Wednesday. I want to invite all of you to come seven o'clock and, uh, Otherwise, we'll see you next time we're here. God bless you very much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.